one thing that I learned is that we really do know what it means to live a good life when we're young. And somehow, somewhere in there, whether it's all the marketing messages or the social pressures or all the things that come into our lives, it gets us away from that that knowledge that we have of what makes a good life. But the people that I interviewed that have made over 100, they seem to have either never lost or to have regained that knowledge. Brain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the award-nominated podcast, Unleash Your Supernova. I'm Nova Rain, your host, and I'm excited to bring you another show where storytelling comes to you at its best. I'm going to be introducing you to creatives that are doing what they love while changing the world. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn mindful, holistic tips and hacks for how to grow not only in your business, but also in your life. We'll learn from these wonderful creatives from around the globe and how they've unleashed their superpowers, sharing their wisdom with you. I am so excited to have with us today, Judy Gaiman. And hi, Judy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Love your show. Oh, thank you so much. And I cannot wait (laughs) to dive into our topic of the day, which is how to live life beyond titles and jobs. What does it mean to live beyond 100, right? And talk about those things like the I got to's versus the I want to's and lessons learned from someone who is 100 years old or at the time, 100 years old. So super, super excited to uh, share these words of wisdom. But before we dive into the topic of the show, let's hear a little bit about Judy. So Judy Gaiman is the CEO of Executive Medicine of Texas. She's an author of seven award-winning books, including the bestseller, Love, Life, and Lucille. She's a national speaker and the host of the Stay Young America podcast. She holds a BS in health sciences from the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences, a MSPS from GW, and a graduate certificate in strategic management from Harvard Extension School. Judy is featured in the media, including Fox News Radio, and quite often as a healthy living expert. That is a lot of accomplishments, <laughs> Judy. I think you are living your best life right now. Well, that's so sweet of you to say. I think it's interesting how our accomplishments can sound like they're our superpower, but they can also be our kryptonite. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in them, myself included, that we turn to those things to define us. Mm-hmm. And I think that was what was so important about... Uh, you mentioned my book, Love, Life, and Lucille. So important about the the meeting, the chance meeting I had with a centenarian, somebody over 100, and how that blossomed into an incredible friendship that changed uh, the way I I do work, the, the way I do life. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so many things. And I'm so glad that we're talking about potential and how to, to live and do all of these things, but we're also not ignoring that we have to be living in the present. We have to have Absolutely. A, a life, not just titles. I love that. So agree with that. And I want to just back up a little bit because not everyone has the opportunity to meet someone that's 100 or beyond 100. And my grandmother, uh, my, my dad's mom lived to 99, just shy of her 100th birthday. And my husband's grandmother 
lived to 99, just shy of her 100th birthday. And the wisdom and grace that these women that I had the pleasure of, of knowing and having in my life was just incredible. And I think there is something really special when you have the opportunity to encounter someone at that phase of their life. So, but I want to step back and talk about your why. Like there were, what drove you to this point of meeting Lucille, writing this best-selling novel, and what continues to drive you now? And as you know, with Unleash Your Supernova, my book, I open up with your why because it's so important as for us to know as individuals what's driving us, what is that North Star? Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's a kryptonite, as you were just sharing with us. And it's really, really critical for us to always look at the things we're doing, the people we're with, the places we're going to and places we're living and to ask that why. So why do you do what you do? And what brought you to why, why this journey of, of interviewing individuals, you know, at that phase in their life? How did you get to that point? What is your why? Well, when you read my bio, I think one thing that might stick out is that I, I love to learn. I also love to teach and to help others learn. So that goes along with things like podcasts and books. And at the time I was working with two physicians on a book called Age to Perfection, How to Thrive to 100, Happy, Healthy, and Wise. And my BS in health sciences is a concentration in research. And so I was doing what I do best. I was digging through the research and we know what do, what do we know about the blue zones and all these areas where people live a long time. And and really, I was going at a more technical angle for this book. And I thought, I feel like there should be more. I feel like I don't want to just regurgitate stuff that's already out there. And had this moment, you know, you can call it an epiphany, you can call it whatever you want, but it was like a lightning bolt of, why don't you just ask the people that, that lived over 100? And I was like, wow. So one thing I incorporated into that book, I started the book with asking young children, uh, I think they were kindergarten, first grade age, what do you think it takes to live to be 100? And they'd give all their reasons and you know, I, I included them in the book. And then I put all the research in the middle and they end the book with what do the people that actually lived over 100 say it takes to be 100? One thing that, that I learned is that we really do know what it means to live a good life when we're young and somehow somewhere in there, whether it's all the marketing messages or the social pressures or all the things that come into our lives, it gets us away from that, that knowledge that we have of what makes a good life. But the people that I interviewed that have made over hundred, they seem to have either never lost or to have regained that knowledge. They could identify, and they were very similar things, what it would take for somebody to live to be 100. Now, when I met Lucille, she was one of the centenarians that my writing assistant had set up for me to meet. And she said, oh, Judy, you've got to meet her. She's just so full of life and her calendar's insane. I don't even know... You can only, she can only meet with you on Friday because every other day she's booked with things, whether it was duplicate bridge or she sat on the residence council or, or what have you. So I was super excited to meet her. And that I talk about it in the book when she opened the door and I had an idea of what a hundred year old looked like. And trust <laughs> me, it was not who, the, who opened the door. That was not what I was envisioning. 
I love that. She was dressed to the nines. She had like the style of old Hollywood. She had a ribbon in her hair, a flower on her lapel. Mm. And she had the best little apartment. It was all set up like everything had its place. And she just... I'm going to pause you right there. I just want to pause you because I think that you shared something with me that just answered a question I always ask myself. So whenever I love to people watch and you had mentioned that you're, you love to learn your lifelong learner. Same. Absolutely. I'm obsessed with books. Um, <laughs> hence having a book podcast gives me that excuse to continue to read and share and, and learn. But when you said you had this impression of a 100 year old and, and whatever that was, right, it clearly was in contrast to what you saw when you opened the door. And I remember all the time I'm struck but in such a place of awe, like I just wonder and awe, and it fills me with excitement when I see older individuals that are clearly over 70, especially over their mid 70s, that are dressed to the nine, that took the time to pay attention to their wardrobe as they were in showing themselves in public. And being in the fashion space and having, you know, studied the psychology of clothing and language and the power of language and how we express ourselves. They're saying something so out loud being in that phase of their life and still coming with makeup maybe done or not, but then the hair is green. I mean, just like everything where you're inspired by what you see, the colors, the textures, the silhouettes, the detail that they took to put together. And that was just something that always warmed me up. And then when you were just sharing that with her, I'm like, oh, oh well, maybe that's it. Maybe on an intuitive level, it's tapping into that feeling that or the desire that we want to have maybe at that age that we are still connected to life that we are still living not necessarily waiting to die right oh absolutely i mean so many times we think of seniors as sitting in god's waiting room Mm. and that was not her and you talk about fashion let me tell you the girl had so many belts and, (laughs) and colors and and she would lay her clothes out across her bed the, mm-hmm. the night before, fully mm-hmm. expecting that she was going to wake up the next day nice. and she That's was nice. going to have plenty to do. And I, that just gave me such hope. I talk about the fact she bought green bananas in the book, and I, I recognize that immediately when I came in. That expectation that you're going to be alive and things are going to go well and you better be dressed for it. It was just infectious. Everyone who who met Lucille and when she went out on media tour with me and we did several television, uh, we did a lot of radio. I always loved it when it was television because then they could see the whole her. Although when she was on the radio, you could definitely hear the whole her. But there was something so inspiring that she would not just dress up but she wasn't afraid to put on color. She wore makeup. She was great makeup. And I just remember how she would match the the ribbon in her hair. And sometimes she would have a ribbon around her neck and she'd have a, a flower on the lip. Like she would match this up. She still had such a, a keen sense of fashion. And she knew that she was inspiring people, even mm. in the dining room of her yeah. independent living center. It's so important. Yeah. I think when we make that connection, that we are connected, right? Like to your point that she knew she was inspiring people where some individuals getting dressed as a function, you know, or I have to go to work or I'm tired. I just want to lounge around or 
but you have the power to inspire with just what you're wearing. I want to jump back to your why and what brought you to Lucille. I want you to paint that picture of what did your life look like prior to learning all these life lessons from Lucille. And then I want to jump into what are these amazing nuggets, or at least some of these nuggets that we can also learn from Lucille. So paint that picture because clearly you're doing a book about aging that led you to Lucille, then to do this book about love life and Lucille. And through the conversations that we've had prior to the recording, it truly impacted your life. So take us back to pre, <laughs> pre Lucille. Well, I don't think I was laughing a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was conscious that I wasn't laughing a lot. I think I was very much, here's my to-do list. I need to check the boxes. This is what has to be done. I don't even think I was enjoying some of the moments that that we all want to enjoy. I shared with you that I was sitting in a play that one of my children was in and I was running numbers in my head. I was calculating business things inside my head. And I was thinking, gosh, focus, focus. I'm trying to tell myself to focus, focus. And it was a real eye opener for me. I didn't know what was gonna happen, but I remember that moment Like, I can't keep going like this. Like, I I can't keep checking the boxes. And and I felt like I was on this treadmill of life Mm -hmm. and had no idea how that was about to change. But I do remember that exact moment. I mean, I can tell you the way the velvet of the seat felt. Mm -hmm. I just knew I could, this is not sustainable. And so that's kind of the before. Mm-hmm. It was dark outside when I went to work. It was dark outside when I came home. Mm-hmm. That was the before. And then when I met Lucille, I had interviewed her on a Friday and I really, I just, I couldn't get enough. I wanted to come back and see her. And, mm-hmm. and I, I write about this in the book, how I, I said, she gave me your number. And I'm like, um, yeah, can I come ask I got a few more questions? And when I got there, I realized, oh, crud, I don't have any questions. Like, I didn't write anything down. I just was so excited to go the next Friday to, to sit with her. And and it became really obvious that I didn't prepare anything. And she looked at me because she's like, you have some questions for me. And I had like this blank look on my face. And she goes, <laughs> you know, honey, and she reached over, she touched my hand. She goes, you don't have to have a reason to come over and hang out with me. And it was like this. Like, I feel like a little kid. I feel like, yes, yes. And and then every Friday, we'd get together. And then it became, oh, we're going to go out. And and so we'd go out and and do things together. And then it became, I love the story. I had an interview about the Age to Perfection book. And it was on Good Morning Texas. Mm -hmm. And the producer happened to say, hey, you think you got a one of those centenarians you can bring along or you think we can maybe get a clip of one of them? I'm like, oh, yeah, let me ask Lucille. So I, I was over at her place and I said, hey, I, I got a question for you. I got to do this interview on Good Morning Texas. And she started to sit up a little more in her chair. And I said, and I was wondering if, she, and she sat up a little more. I was like, I was wondering if you want to go on, on the show with me. She bounced out of that chair. She's like, yes. She runs to her closet. She's pulling out these clothes. What about this? What about that? It was all about what she was going to wear. And (laughs) I smile on the outside and the inside because it was like all of the sudden she had this like this new life, this Mm -hmm. new newfound 
energy. She's thinking about what she's going to say. She's thinking about what she's going to wear. And later it became very apparent Mm. that it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what happened in your life. It doesn't matter how burned out, how washed up, how anything. Mm. You still have a purpose. And for Lucille, she became a longevity expert. And that that became her why. I love that. And I was getting goosebumps as you were sharing because I completely pictured her running to the closet and pulling stuff out and laying on the bed and you're standing there and she's like, okay. And as you said, she had this renewed energy. And, you know, it just made me think that this is the purpose of life. You know, you went back, I mean, you, a few minutes ago, you were sharing, you know, why are we here? And, you know, were we here to do this checklist every day? And But to be a force of energy in someone's life, like she was to you and you were to her. And that is so powerful. And it gave you the inspiration to create something new. And that inspired her to create something new. You know, this tour that she was on, this this new journey of being an expert. And, and to your point that it doesn't matter how old you are, because again, most people start looking like, oh, this is the downward slope to the end, you know, what <laughs> you But who knows? You could be an Oscar winner, if that's your dream at 85 or 95 or 100, you could be on a world tour at 100. You could be, but it's finding that thing to live for. And then the connection that I think the two of you made to me is what really, 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 really jumps out when two human beings realize how connected they are to each other. And it goes beyond just the familial responsibilities or the employer employee responsibilities. Like this is energy. Like what you guys were sharing was just magic. It just sounded so beautiful. Well, it, but the thing about Lucille and, and it could have been, you could say, well, it was the way she dressed, or you could say it could have been her laugh or her smile or whatever it was about Lucille, which I said, oh, I really want this more of this in my life. She was literally infectious. We could walk into a restaurant and people would randomly come over and and talk with us. I mean, there were on more than one occasion, people invited themselves to sit at our table and just pulled up a chair. I took her and I, I love this, this one chapter. And I think a lot of people get emotional in this one chapter. I talk about going on book tour with her to Memphis. And one of the places that she had always sent money to, and it wasn't a lot of money. Lucille was not a wealthy individual in the sense of, of finances, but she had always sent money to St. Jude. She had a very tender spot for those kids. And I said, we're in Memphis. Why don't we go see where you've been sending your money? <laughs> a mother brought out a child in a wheelchair that had that had no hair, no eyebrows, no, no color, obviously was on the brink. And the mother seemed very just exhausted. The child seemed completely exhausted. Mm. And Lucille went and just had this incredible conversation with this child. And, you know, hey, I think things are going to be okay. And and I, I'm over 100, so you can tr- trust what I say. <laughs> you know? mm. And the child smiled and the mother smiled. And, mm. and I know I write about this in the book, and it's so hard to to truly grasp it unless you saw it. Mm-hmm, but here's mm-hmm. this this person who has so much life ahead of them or should a child. 
who is so close to death. Mm. Here's this person who has lived so much life behind them mm-hmm. and is so close just because chronologically it's impossible that they have that much more time ahead of them. And they're kind of meeting with this common ground of the love of life. And it was almost like this spiritual experience and a very similar thing would happen when babies would see her. Mm. They would just be so drawn to her. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this in the book. I had this theory. I didn't have this theory before Lucille, but I had this theory after that those that are fresh from heaven and those that are on their way to heaven, they seem to have an incredible connection. I agree. And I've seen it with my own eyes. And it's, it's just amazing. I experienced that with my son, my youngest son, when he was a little baby and my husband's grandmother. And so she was in her 90s. And so maybe at the time, 95. But my son, who was maybe two, was so enamored with her. And he would stand by her side and he would hold her hand to walk her to another room. And like he was her guide or guardian or mm-hmm. the the level of respect and admiration and awe and where he just exuded this, I have to protect her. I have to guide her. I have to lead her. And she just fell into it. Like she completely like played into his, you know, his little baby self of, okay, I'm going to walk you to the kitchen. <laughs> you know? I love that. I can get a visual of that. I love that. And he was so serious about it. It was just it was his mission. Yeah. He was her, yeah. He was her little guide, you know? Incredible. Let me be with you. I, I love that. It was incredible. And I thought the same thing to myself. I said, wow, here's this young life and here's this mature life and this incredible unspoken bond and understanding that they're sharing right now and the the communication that they're having. No words, but through body language and energy. Oh my gosh. It was incredible to see and experience. So I I completely get what you're saying. I absolutely want to get to some of the nuggets that Lucille shared with you before we get to the second segment of our show. So what are the, the top three or five things that just jump off the page that she shared with you that really changed your life? Well, one thing, and I wouldn't say that she said this, but we experienced this together. Mm -hmm. is that true friendship knows no age. And Mm -hmm. that we often think, oh, I need to find a friend or I want to make a friend. And we start looking for people that are our same age, that have all our same interests, that have our same political views. I mean, we have this idea, this checklist, Mm -hmm. what a a friend should look like. And really a true friend, which we've gotten away from from that definition, friends are not the people who like your stuff on social media. We've kind of dumbed down what it means to be a friend. Mm -hmm. But a true friend is someone that you experience life with and that human experience. Mm. The human experience is not about the superficial things we all seem to be really hung up on these days. We all have had our first love. We've all been heartbroken. Mm -hmm. This is part of the human experience. We suffer loss, whether it's the loss of a pet or the loss of a spouse or the loss of a a friend you know, or a grandparent, there are certain things that are part of the human experience that that cross all boundaries. They cross race, they cross social economic, they cross everything. It doesn't matter where you live. This is what is really important in life. So I think 
spending time with her, that was a huge takeaway for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to stop worrying about defining ourselves by titles or Mm -hmm. or jobs and who we think friends should be, but find the friends that that you want to share your human experience with. So that Mm -hmm. was really big. Mm -hmm. With Lucille, she really taught me how to converse. And mm-hmm. it sounds crazy because, you know, I, I talk on the radio, I talk on the podcast, I talk, I always have talks too much on my report card. I know how to converse. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I could talk all day long. Right. But you would go in a restaurant and, and I love these stories in the book and, and everyone relates to different ones. And she would literally get somebody's life story out of them in five minutes. And, mm-hmm. and it would be so fascinating. So she really taught me that there are so many people around us mm-hmm. that we can learn from. Right. Some of the stories when people write letters or, or send emails about what they got from the book, some of the stories aren't really necessarily about my story or Lucille's story mm-hmm. or our story together. Some people are really touched by maybe this particular story about this waiter at this restaurant because she could figure out their their human experience really fast. So she taught me how to converse in a way mm-hmm. where you're not just talking at somebody, but you right. really, truly care and you're really interested in, yeah. in them. And there's so much more joy and there's so much more everything in finding out other people's stories. We yeah. had this, we, Lucille had this uh, thing when we really liked somebody, mm-hmm. she would say, they can be in our club. <laughs> and that was like her thing of saying, I trust this person. Yeah. So then she say, they can be in our club. And then they go, oh, what, what club is this? And I mean, they even like, there was no, there was no club. And it, yeah. was, it was mine. That was her, you know, the way she would tell me. Right. I, I'm okay with this person, whether yeah. it was a nurse or whether it was somebody that we were meeting for some particular reason. So it's kind of, it's just kind of the things that she taught me. It wasn't like she sat me uh-huh. down and said, here, uh-huh. let me give you this lesson, that lesson. Mm. It was all things that she taught me through, I guess you call it like the Mr. Miyagi way from yeah. <laughs> from, yeah. from the, that old show, um, The Karate Kid. Yeah. You, but it, it really was that time that we spent together and she taught by example all the time. Is there one other thing that jumps out at you that you want to share? I think that... One thing I'd like to share with the audience, and and this is more so as an invitation, Mm. I'd like to invite your audience to find someone or some people that they normally wouldn't talk to or they Mm. normally wouldn't have a relationship with and be open to really exploring and learning about that person and sharing your human experience with them. Because I think it's these kind of relationships, these unexpected relationships mm-hmm. that are the ones we really grow from. Yeah. When we're in our little holy huddles or, you know, our, our areas that, oh, I'm only going to talk to this person because I agree with everything they say. That's when we don't learn. Yeah. When we learn is when we open ourselves up and we're vulnerable as well to people that maybe we didn't pick mm-hmm. by that. I think that's a great lesson. And I charged my kids with that too. My husband and I have 10 children and five grandchildren. So his wow. mind and ours. Family. <laughs> we 
say 10 in the double digits. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't recommend it. And if you do have lots of kids, have them in, in even numbers, never odd. Because <laughs> uh, there's always somebody left out. So you got to stick to the even numbers. <laughs> oh, man. That's a whole nother podcast. My dad is one of 10. My mom is one of 12. So absolutely love the big family. And it's an incredible experience for those that get to benefit from the fruits of our, our parents or grandparents. That's awesome. That's incredible. So this is a great time for us to transition where I hand you the mic and you play host for a few minutes. And then we wrap up with a few questions from our listeners. Well, I love that that you're turning the mic over and I get to turn the tables on you. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know what I want to ask you? But I think one thing I'm curious is, have you had anyone in your life, and if so, who would that be, that you really felt like this is wisdom, I need to be a sponge right now and absorb something from this person? And if so, who was that? Ooh, I'm, I would say very much like Lucille, where I have a strong curiosity about people and their stories and their backstories and their whys. And so for me, I really do love just listening and finding and that story. And uh, so there's been so many people who I've met, um, strangers, and that might be the only time we've encountered each other. And listening and trying to understand and putting myself in, from a perspective, trying to see through their eyes and go through that journey with them, I think is super powerful. And it helps me grow from that standpoint. I would say though, if there's someone that jumps out right away, Mm, there's so many incredible people. And I, I am attracted to seniors because they exude wisdom to me. So I'm just like, oh, they're so awesome. They know so much knowledge. I was, <laughs> funny story. I was on a panel and this, one of the individuals in the audience had come up to me afterwards and she actually caught my eye. Just like, it was just like, wow, you know, her hair, everything, which she was so well put together. And of course, I'm going to notice the fashionistas in the room. And so, right? so she had come over to me afterwards and we connected really briefly, but I followed up with her afterwards. And it wasn't like, it was no reason to from business perspective or an immediate, oh, we have so much in common, but there was just something there that she just exuded this incredible energy, aura, I don't know how to describe it, like just so positive and, and almost like she was giving a big hug, just even though she didn't physically hug me, but her presence was so welcoming and, and she was older than me. And so we connected, met for lunch and it was like, I got a big sister that I've always wanted. And the wisdom that she shares and the way she listens in a space of non-judgment were literally you could tell her anything. And I've shared things with her that I haven't shared with friends that I've had for decades. And to then see if the exchange where here's this person who's so many years older than me, feeling vulnerable enough and, and comfortable enough asking me for advice. And I'm thinking, well, you know so much more than me. Like what? And that was such a beautiful thing to me where I was, wow, I can also provide value and wisdom to her, even though she's has so much more experience than me. And that's just something that really impacted me. And another individual that jumps out at me is someone who lost his sight as a young boy. And to learn his life story and work alongside him and know that he 
has this ability to be able to see beyond his sight is so empowering and inspiring to me, where I get to experience a whole nother life that I would not have experienced through him and his journey. And what can I learn from that? Because he can't physically see. So he, in my opinion, he has superpowers where he hears so much more and tunes into so much more than the average person because he doesn't have that particular sense to lean on. And the words of wisdom, you know, that comes out of his mouth, is just incredible. And again, I really enjoy the exchange with him. And he's someone that, you know, and, and, he, <laughs> and you know, we're from such different worlds. You know, we live across the country, different backgrounds, extremely different cultures. He grew up on a farm. I did not grow up on a farm. It just, there's so many things that, reasons why we should not be friends from the societal checkbox. And he's become one of my closest friends. And then again, when he leans on me and opens and shares with me, I'm so honored because I get so much from him. And then to be able to pour that back into, you know, back to him, I think it's, it's a joy. Oh, it's great. Great answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to make sure we have time. Thank you for that question, though. Um, it took me like, I'm like, I don't know. There's so many people because this I just like to me. I'm truly, truly curious about people. And I've been super fortunate and blessed to have heard so many stories in my lifetime. But, you know, those two individuals just pop out at me in my most recent experiences in the last few years. The people who really touched me that, again, in any normal circumstance, to your point, you're going to gravitate towards the person that looks the most like you, sounds the most like you, from the same school, from the whatever. And then when you do encounter those really unique relationships, it's so powerful. So I love that question. I do want to get to at least a question or two from our listeners before we wrap up the show. And I am so excited to hear feedback about the show and all that you've shared and all that Lucille has brought to us. You know, even though she's not here, I can feel her and hear her through you. So thank you. So a question is, what advice would you share with someone who's reached 50 halfway mark in their life based on all the knowledge you've gained through your friendship with Lucille? I love that question. And the funny thing is, is that's kind of our sweet spot. The 50-year-old at Executive Medicine of Texas, um, where I'm the CEO and, and people say, oh, I want to live longer. I want to live healthier. You know, and they come in and they they get all these tests and, and all these things because they're looking at the numbers. They're looking at the stats. They're looking at what is the research going to tell me about living longer. And it's kind of like that uh, Age of Perfection book, how I started with, okay, let's just get all the information together, all the data, all the research. And that stuff's really important. And what we tell our patients and advise our patients is really important. But we also give them some Lucille wisdom um, when we see them. And, and all but one of the doctors that work at our clinic had met Lucille. And Lucille was, was in the office uh, quite a bit. So and some of that wisdom that we give them are, hey, okay, let's take a look at your life. And it's not about work-life balance, but integration. You know, how are you integrating things in your life? And because we think that work-life balance is, it, it's hard sometimes to balance. And sometimes you have to put time into work. And then sometimes you have to just put time into your family. So you have to be okay with things aren't always going to feel balanced. But enjoying your kids because your kids and even when they're grown kids and you have grandkids, the time goes so fast. 
Now, we implemented something in our family called Grandkids Night. And every Tuesday, we have the kids over, the grandkids over, and we tell the kids, this is your date night. (laughs) Go on a date. Because we know how important it is to have those relationships as a married couple outside of the kids. And we also know how important it is to have multi-generational relationships. So we're building relationships with those grandchildren and we're allowing our children, not just allowing, but encouraging our children to build these really strong bonds between each other outside of just the kids. So I think the advice is to get as connected to your family as you can. Accept your family for who they are. Sometimes that's really tough. And sometimes, you know, dysfunctional families have a lot of fun and, you know, that fun words and dysfunctional. So having the human experience. And yes, we can give you all the advice in the world about how to physically live longer and and healthier and all of that. But don't underestimate all the other information outside of statistics and, and lab results and such. Love that. Love that. And I think it it also circles back to the relationship, the connections, and how impactful that can be to someone's longevity. So I'm going to flip it before we run out of time and say, okay, we know that in our culture, turning 21, at least in the West, is a pivotal time in most young adults' lives. What advice would you give a 21-year-old that's at the very early part of their journey? Well, this is a great question. A 21-year-old, often, and we've had 10 of them, you know, I I hate to say that all 10 of our children have passed the 21-year-old mark, but at 21, they have a sense that they're invincible and they have a sense that there'll always be time to do all these other things. They have a sense that their parents will always be alive or those grandparents will always be alive. So for a 21-year-old, I would say, Spend as much time with your grandparents as you can. Learn from your parents. They aren't perfect. Be okay with that. I wish I would have learned that sooner. And also don't, when you make a decision every day, every day we're making thousands of decisions. When you make a decision, be thinking, does this serve me now? And does this serve the future me? Because a lot of times in the 20s, people make decisions that have lifelong consequences and they haven't really fully developed their prefrontal cortex and they don't realize that, but then they spend a lot of their life wishing they had done X, Y, Z in their twenties because later they miss that opportunity. Mm. So does this serve the future me is a really powerful question of what you're doing now. Interesting. Interesting. And I'll, I'll add to that, does it serve the child of me? Mm. And I once was at a conference when we did this exercise, which I thought was fantastic. It was write a letter to your eight-year-old self and mm. tell your eight-year-old self all the things you're sorry that you did and all the things that you, you really did right and you made them proud. And it was so impactful mm. to do that. And I think that's a great exercise. I love that. So all the things that you are sorry that you did and then all the things that you did that you felt were impactful. Yeah. Uh, Here's what I got right. And and I'm sorry I didn't serve you when I did this. Mm. So, and then after that exercise, I thought, you know, that's so powerful that as I go on with the second half of my life, Mm -hmm. how do I serve that eight-year-old Judy? 
You know, would that eight-year-old Judy be proud of this decision? Would that eight-year-old Judy think this is really cool and this is part of who I am? Because we all have these personalities at eight that we still can see. I mean, if you have friends that you've known since kindergarten, Mm -hmm. there's still parts of them that you're like, yep, that's still their like kindergarten self or their Mm eight-year-old self. Mm -hmm. There's this inner part of us, that child in us Mm -hmm. that that doesn't change. A lot does change, but there are some things in that child of us that doesn't change. It's still there. Incredible. That was a mic drop. (laughs) This was so wonderful. Thank you so much, Judy, for sharing all of this with us. And oh, I hope everyone that's listening is taking notes and you probably are going to rewind and listen to the show again. And if you didn't have your notes with you, because so much wisdom was, was shared today and it can really really make a difference in your life if you apply it. So thank you. And again, how can our listeners get in touch with you, follow you, support you and get your book? Sure. I think the easiest way is to go to my website, Judy Gammon, J-U-D-Y-G-A-M-A-N.com or follow me on Instagram, uh, Judy Gammon. I, I'm out there quite a bit. So just searching my name, you'll you'll find a lot of easy ways to find me. And as far as getting the book, Love, Life and Lucille, you can order it on my website and I'll send you, I'll sign it and send a picture of Lucille and I together to help inspire you. Or you can go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or any of those places and buy it from there. Amazing. And again, thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for joining me and Judy on another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. And definitely get that book, guys. It's a bestseller. It sounds like it is packed, packed with wisdom. And if you have not yet gotten Unleash Your Supernova, what are you waiting for? (laughs) Go and get your copy and discover new ways of reaching your limitless potential, increasing creativity while beating burnout. And so I am super excited to share another really wisdom-packed episode and looking forward to having you back. On the next one, again, this is Unleash Your Supernova brought to you by the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. And that's Kangaroo with a U. And I'm your host, Nova Lorraine. Until next time. Ciao.